Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today's birth story is with Julia Crabb, the daughter of a midwife who grew up immersed in birth culture. For as long as she can remember, Julia had hoped for a home water birth. What happens when labor has other plans that include a transfer to the hospital? Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Simply Breastfeeding, a prenatal breastfeeding course to help nursing parents feel confident with their newborns. Learn more at birthful.com slash simplybreastfeeding and use the code birthful for 15% off. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guided meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive, pregnant, or new moms. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thank you for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, then make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And you can also rate and review the show. That would be lovely, too. To best support this podcast, do support its sponsors, which in today's case are Simply Breastfeeding and Expectful. And a super quick reminder that if you're between 34 and 35, 36 weeks, that's the perfect time to start preparing for a life with a newborn. And to do that, go to birthfulcourses.com to sign up for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes. Do it now before baby arrives. It'll make your life so much easier. You're, you can have a postpartum vacation afterwards. And if you don't know what that is, you have to go to birthfulcourses.com to find out. All right. So my guest today is Julia Crabb, who is originally wanted to have a home birth, a water birth, and then ended up going to the hospital. And yeah, that's a big shift. So I can't wait to talk to Julia about this and hear, hear her story. Julia, welcome to the show. So happy you're here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you. Yeah. And so your story is unique. And I'm, I'm really glad that you reached out to share it because it's something that not very many people experience. Can you just give a, a big, like, what was it about? Why are you talking to me today? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think probably the kind of one of the unique aspects, every birth is unique, of course. Yes. Um, but I think one thing that I tried to find information about beforehand that I couldn't find that I'm experienced uh, in now is that my mom is actually a midwife. Um, so uh, I grew up my whole life around midwives. You know, birth was always part of the dinner table conversation. Um, and, you know, I can remember being in shopping stores with my mom and you know, overhearing conversations about like, oh, well, she's talking to a client. Oh, well, you know, what color is the discharge and how much is there? And, you know, are you able to talk through your contractions kind of like out in public? And so I've just always been around midwives, always been listening to birth stories my entire life. Um, and so it kind of was a really unique and special situation when I found myself pregnant and preparing for uh, my first birth with my mom, um, you know, hopefully being in attendance and having all of that midwifery experience behind her. 
Mm-hmm. Now I know how my daughter feels. Not that I'm a midwife, but being surrounded in that, that sort of <laughs> constant talk. <laughs> yeah. You kind of start to think it's normal until you're around other kids and they're like, why is your mom talking about discharge at dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Stop it with the uterus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you found yourself pregnant. You've been surrounded by birth all life long. And what were your expectations? How do you prepare? What did you do to get ready? Like, what? yeah, what type of births did you want to have? Oh, um, well, you know, I mean, I was very certain that I wanted to have a midwife care for me in the prenatal and, and postpartum period. Um I had a lot of conversations with my mom about, you know, what role I thought she could play. And and we bounced that idea around quite a bit. Um, You know, I had lots of kind of very normalized ideas about birth. Looking back, everybody always kind of talked about it very casually. Uh, And uh, so, you know, I I, I had some knowledge about birth for sure. Um, And the stuff that I did to kind of prepare was, you know, I, I listened to this podcast every day pretty much. Uh, which was like a really calming, lovely um, way to prepare. I, you know, I reread kind of Ina May and the birth stories that she has. Um, I read some other books about spiritual pregnancy. It was kind of a, a book about the hero's journey, like Joseph Campbell's ideas about mythology and heroes and pregnancy as the hero's journey of the woman. Um, you know, I watched tons of home water births on YouTube, uh, which I thought was a really kind of unique opportunity and resource that women didn't have a long time ago and just because we don't have the opportunity now to go to a lot of births you know of the women in our lives it's kind of a neat way to see other people's real life experiences albeit edited but nonetheless um you know I went to a pregnancy retreat about the sacredness of birth and that was kind of a really beautiful ceremony that I got to participate in and I you know I did yoga I went for walks uh, I got a birth tub, which was a really funny part of the preparation um, because I got it used and it was just full of holes. And my partner and I spent so many hours trying to find all the little holes in it and the leaks and blowing it up and deflating it and filling, trying to fill it up with the hot water and like just hours preparing to oh use my goodness. this birth tub, which in fact we never ended up using, which was, you know, I'll get to, but um, which was kind of a funny irony to the whole thing. I, uh, and then, you know, I made a birth affirmation banner with sayings on it that I hung up. They said, like, you know, I am safe, feel the wave, ride the wave, the only way out is through, all these kind of lovely affirmations that I thought were going to be really helpful. Um, and I mean, I guess generally my expectation was, again, like kind of very normalized, very, um, very calm, like, you know, I anticipated moaning and groaning and being on all fours and walking around and kind of going to this quiet place. Um, and my, my expectation was actually quite like, I thought it was going to be really lovely. I think I really romanticized the idea and just hearing midwives talk about it my whole life. They always talked about it like, eh, it's, you know, it's kind of like no big deal. It's women's work. You know, it happens every day and that kind of thing. So, um, I fully expected it to be this experience that I was going to be able to like mentally manage and kind of just like be Zen all the way throughout. <laughs> Had you seen aside from the, the YouTube videos, the home birth water, the home water births that you'd seen, had you yeah. been to a birth before? I had been to births before. Um, 
not since I was probably, I'd say 16 or so, but when I was younger, uh, my mom and I actually went and lived in Pennsylvania for a few months. And my mom did a locum for a midwife who took care of an Amish community in Pennsylvania. Um, and so they had a birthing clinic there. And the, all those times that I was in Pennsylvania with her, I was in the birthing clinic with her. Um, and then she had a lot of women, uh, when I was a little girl, she had a lot of women come to our house for their prenatal and postnatal visits. So I also kind of sat around and drank tea with my mom and listened to women talk about their bleeding and their nursing and, mm. and all those kinds of things too. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. and, and you were planning a home birth yourself. Yes. I wanted a home birth and I wanted the water birth. Okay. Yeah. Hence yeah. the tub. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The albatross, that was the tub, yeah. Oh, the tub. So <laughs> you did all this preparation, you had this expectation and wishes and sort of affirmation and got yourself ready by doing all these things and reading books and watching videos. You were ready. Then I thought so. <laughs> you, right? So yeah. then how did you know you were in labor? How did things start? Sure. So, um, uh I knew I was in labor a few, well, I knew it was coming a few days before I spent the day. My mom had actually come out. She lives in a different province, so she had uh, driven out. And um, so we, you know, were going for walks on the beach, trying to get things going. And I was around my, you know, due date-ish. And uh, we went out for this lovely, fancy dinner, kind of as a last meal as, as just adults. And in the bathroom at the restaurant, my mucus like a large portion of my mucus plug came out. So I was like, oh, okay, things are, you know, things might start getting going. And then, um, so my baby was born on the early morning of July 31st, which was a Monday. And it was Saturday. Um, no, sorry, Friday evening, really late in the evening, I started having uh, pretty regular contractions. So um, that's when I knew that, you know, it, it was gonna, it was gonna start to ramp up. Mm-hmm. So my water didn't break. I just had the contractions. Right. And were they slowly getting closer and stronger and more intense? Um, I mean, kind of. I don't actually know. I don't recall really if I had them, you know, every 15 or 20 minutes for a while. I think I just really started noticing uh, when they were every five, six minutes apart and they lasted for about an hour. Mm-hmm. My which mom is, kind of timed them. Yeah. Which is yeah. something that like that contraction pattern doesn't sneak up on you. It's quite clear when yeah. that shows up um so I love that you were because when I, I'm hearing it, I'm going yay <laughs> because one of my mantras for early labor is ignore it until you can't ignore it anymore yeah yeah I don't know if I was ignoring it or I just couldn't <laughs> feel it or or I was just distracted by this like lovely meal and you know all these yeah. like, just I was really excited too I was really kind of like pumped about it getting started and so when the contractions did start going everybody was like oh it's time it's gonna happen soon Yay. Yeah, it was exciting. So then what happened? Um, so, I mean, I had early contractions, like I said, every five to six minutes um, throughout that whole evening. Um, I caught a couple of hours of sleep, I'd say, maybe two. And uh, I just c- continued to contract. I walked, like, continuously the whole time. I didn't stop moving. You know, I was really interested in swaying and rocking my hips and and walking around the house. Um, And so I just did that until about 1030 the next morning. And that's when I called the midwife and let her know my partner and I had timed my contractions for an hour and 
called the midwife and let her know what the pattern had been. And she said she was going to come out. Um, so about an hour later, around like 1030, I think it was, the midwife arrived. And, um, you know, it was an interesting thing, too, because uh, I had never met this midwife before. So in Nova Scotia right now, the, the province I live in, um, there is a real shortage of, of midwifery funding. Mm. And uh, there's there's quite, a you know, there's a, a really high demand for midwifery. And, you know, everybody's very well aware of the benefits of it, how it's lower risk and, and cheaper and leads to higher levels of satisfaction, female empowerment, all these kinds of wonderful outcomes. Um, but there isn't, unfortunately, sufficient funding for enough midwives. So there are fewer than 10, I would say, midwives in this province, and there's almost a million people. Wow. So um, the midwives work really hard, and uh, but there's just not enough to cover all of the all of the demand. And so even when they go on vacation, things like that, there's just not, they don't have the same ability to have continuity of care, like to have the same midwife see you through the whole pregnancy most of the time. Um, so throughout my pregnancy, I think I saw six midwives, five or six midwives, um, except for the, and I had seen, I think all of them, except for the one who actually came and did the birth. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, she was lovely enough, of course, she's, you know, very professional and all that, but it was a little bit destabilizing for me to have this kind of sacred position in my birth be filled with someone I had never met before. And, and, you know, I didn't know what her approach was, or I hadn't had the chance to talk to her. So, um, that was a little bit kind of, of a surprise to me, but, um, anyway, she arrived around, I think it was like 1030 and just before she had arrived, my mom had checked me. Um, you know, which I don't think many women can say. <laughs> and I was uh, about three or four centimeters. So, um, and my mom was checking me actually kind of throughout the labor. Uh, I got less tolerant of that as the time progressed and I had so many checks. But um, when the midwife arrived, she checked again and I was, she confirmed that she thought I was also at, at four centimeters. So she stayed for a little bit um, through a couple of contractions and, uh, then she said, you know, obviously you're in early labor and it seems to be fine. So she told me she was going to come back in a couple of hours. Um, so I carried on contracting throughout that day. She ended up coming back around five o'clock in the evening. So I spent the day walking around, contracting. Um, they did feel more and more intense as the day progressed. But uh, later we came to know that the my baby was posterior this whole time. And so I was having really concentrated back labor mm -hmm. um so it was all kind of in my hips in my tailbone this like you know like kind of like the grating throbbing fiery feeling that I'm sure women are familiar with who've had back labor uh and I just I you know I walked around through it and I tried my best to kind of stay calm and do the deep breathing and I can remember my mom like um complimenting me on how well I was managing it and how nice my breathing was and I was like, yeah, like in my mind, I was like, yeah, I'm totally nailing this. Like, I'm so good at labor. <laughs> it was totally ridiculous. Um, but uh, she and my partner took turns kind of holding my hips together, pushing, giving pressure, counter pressure during my contractions, which I found um, quite helpful. Uh -huh. uh, and I spent a little bit of time in the tub. I had a few naps in the tub. Um 
just to get a little bit of relief, which was really nice. And my partner and my mom also were taking naps throughout the day or trying to, just waiting it, waiting it out. So you're and, just writing it as it went. It seems, yeah, even just, though it was intense with the back pain. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on my tippy toes, kind of bouncing back and forth, bending over, um, being on all fours, sitting on the, I had one of those yoga balls or birth balls I spent some time on there. And um, I really wanted to get in the tub. Like I love the, and I, I was in the actual regular bathtub, but I really wanted to get in the birth tub. And I didn't actually know when it was appropriate to get in the birth tub. I didn't know it was so late in the labor that usually you can get in. Mm-hmm. So I kept asking, can I get in the birth tub? Can I get in the birth tub? And uh, my mom kept saying, no, it's too early. It's too early. So, And that's was, a great point. And, and, and let's unpack that because the thing is that the, the water can be so calming and feel so fabulous that it can slow things down. So yeah. you want to try to avoid it in, during the first part. And before, yeah. hold that thought for a second. We'll we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Breastfeeding, it may be natural, but that sure does not mean it's easy. It's a learning process for both you and baby, and like most learning processes, it takes a lot of trial and error. However, this trial and error can sometimes come with a lot of crying, and not necessarily only from your baby. Help lessen the crying and frustration by arming yourself with some solid knowledge. A great way to prepare for this is by taking the Simply Breastfeeding Online class created by breastfeeding experts Cindy and Jana. In their class, you'll learn to recognize what your baby is telling you and how to meet your baby's needs starting in the very first hour after birth. You'll also understand the basics of breastfeeding and be able to return to them if you encounter difficulties, and you'll feel confident knowing the answers to most frequently asked questions. Lessen your anxiety and frustration and relax knowing you've got this. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding to learn more. And as a Birthful listener, you get 15% off if you use the code Birthful when you register. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding or click the link on the show notes to get you on your way. And we're back with Julia. And so you you did get into the regular tub, tub first, but we we're trying to figure out what the time would be to get into the, the birthing tub, I guess. Yeah, I just had this very specific vision of being in the birthing tub. It was like all I wanted in life was to have this baby in the tub. And so I was a little bit overeager, I think, to get in it. Um, but so I stayed out of it. We didn't fill it up. And uh, I did spend some time in the regular bathtub, but I did it did actually end up slowing things down. I, throughout that the course of the day, I didn't progress hardly at all. And um, we did spend most of the day kind of progressing for a little bit. And then, you know, I'd fall asleep or the contractions would slow. They progress again. It was really kind of a slow go. Mm-hmm. So when the midwife uh, came back, and it was the same midwife at least, um, she came back around 5 o'clock. Uh, that evening and she checked me and I was still only four to five centimeters. So I was really defeat. I felt really defeated at that point. I was really kind of disappointed. I was hoping obviously that I had progressed further along. Um, so, but the midwife was really patient with me and, you know, g- gave me as much space as I could have, you know, safely to wait and see how things would progress naturally. Um, and then we started having some conversation about breaking my water thinking that that might get things to progress a little bit. So we talked about that for a little while. Um, You know, we talked about the possibility that if there was meconium 
um, that came out, then we would have to go to the hospital. And, you know, I was a little bit worried about that. But uh, about two hours later, around 7.30, I think, we broke my water and um, there was it was clear. So that was good. And we were hoping that it would get things to start progressing. But it actually, for some reason, did the opposite. And I fell asleep for like 45 minutes. Mm. Um, so again, you know, I woke up and we tried different positions and things like that, but it just didn't see, I just, just wasn't progressing. And, uh, then there was a little bit of increased heart rate from the baby that the midwife was concerned about. So we spent a little bit of time monitoring that and then taking a break and monitoring again and, you know, doing another check and those kinds of things just to make sure that the baby was okay. And, but the heart rate eventually normalized. And and so that was fine. And then I just kept laboring um, until about nine o'clock and we checked my, uh, the midwife and my mom checked me again and I was six to seven. So, you know, I had gone all day morning till evening and I had maybe progressed two centimeters and in my mind, I'm like, but you did progress. <laughs> Th- it things was just, changed finally. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it was, it was real slow. And, yeah. um, and it was, at, at this point, it was like, it was very painful. It was very sharp. Again, still all in my back. Mm. I hadn't had any, I had abdominal contractions later on in the active labor, but now looking back, I actually hadn't had any abdominal contractions that whole day. And during, my mom actually... Sorry, during that time, did they did they think that baby was posterior or was it not until later? Right. So, I mean, I think there was thought that it might, that she might be posterior, um, but just kind of the positioning of her head and, and the the parts of the skull and the head that they used to try to feel whether she was posterior, it wasn't completely clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, no one was a hundred percent certain that she was posterior, but I mean, looking back, I should have kind of known like, oh, look at this back labor that I'm having. And I didn't, well, and I had never had contractions before, so I didn't know I was not having abdominal contractions. Right. Um, and my mom kept pulsating on my abdomen, on my uterus while I was contracting and I kept swatting her hand away because it was hurting me. Um, but, you know, later she said, oh, you know, I, I felt that it wasn't quite, you know, it wasn't as intense as I would have expected at that point in time had the baby not been posterior. And so you weren't doing any positioning to try to switch up how baby or give more space or try to move things that way. I did try a bit. I, you know, I tried to be on my side and rotate and things like that, but it mm-hmm. was incredibly painful. Mm-hmm. Um, it was incredibly painful and I was very tired. So, uh, we did try a bit, but it didn't really seem to help. Um, and, uh, back pain is the worst. (laughs) Yeah, it was the worst. (laughs) It's just the worst. (laughs) And I mean, it was tough too, because, um, you know, I knew about sterile water injections, for example, as something that women use to alleviate some of the pain, but my midwife didn't know how to do that or wasn't, you know, wasn't able to perform that for me, um, midwives here, I don't know about in the States, but, um, in Nova Scotia, at least you, the midwives don't carry nitrous oxide with them. You can have it in the hospital, but they don't bring it to home births. Um, I don't know if that's changed since I've had my baby, but at the time, so, uh, there just wasn't very much that could help me Mm -hmm. with the pain. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was just dying to relax just like a little bit. Yeah, I felt very, you know, I felt very tense and, you know, my, 
kind of core, like relaxing breathing that I thought I was so excellent at, you know, definitely dissipated. And I was more like, this really hurts. Like, why is this hurting so bad? No one, you know, my mom never told me it was going to feel like this. Um, so anyways, that was around 9 PM and we started talking about maybe we should go to the hospital. Uh, and the thought was that we might go to the hospital and I could get a shot of oxytocin and that that might help in, um, relaxing and adjusting the positioning of the baby. And again, that's not something that, um, you're able to do at home here in Nova Scotia. So, uh, that was really a tough part of the birth for me. I was really heartbroken about that idea. Um, you know, I had kind of fantasized about this home birth my whole life. And, you know, even as a teenager, like we, my mom and I would talk about it and, you know, if, if uh, she was making me mad or something, I'd be like, well, I'm going to have a hospital birth or I'm going to you're- <laughs> threaten her with a hospital yeah. birth. That's hilarious. You're not, allowed, you're not allowed to come to my birth and all these things. So it was this, you know, it was the really built up kind of magical idea in, in my mind, at least of how this was going to go my whole life. And just hearing that it was going to, we were going to have to go to the hospital was really sad for me. Hmm. Um, and so it took me a long time to feel like I was ready to do that. Uh, my partner and I hadn't talked about going to the hospital at all. Like I didn't have a, we, the car seat wasn't installed. I didn't have a hospital bag, like none of the, we had never been to that hospital really and looked at where babies were delivered there. None of that preparation had happened. Um, so, you know, I hummed and hawed about it for a really long time and, uh, just, you know, all things considered, everybody just came to the conclusion that it was probably the the best thing to do. So uh, my husband ran out in the dark and tried to install the car seat. And, you know, he's panicking about where the buckles go and that kind of thing. And uh, my mom filled up a bag for me to take to the hospital. And then my midwife took her car and we got in our car and drove there. Um, it was about a 45-minute drive to the hospital here. Uh and I sat in the back seat and I had, I think, four or five contractions in the car, um, which, you know, it was it was manageable. It was OK, but it was like I was really tired and it was feeling quite painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I did have kind of one of the most looking back, kind of one of the one of the most powerful and liberating moments of my birth in that car, because driving there, I silently decided that I was going to have an epidural. And, um, for me and having, you know, grown up with all these conversations about the benefits, um, of, of natural birth and not having pain medication and, and kind of that being the, the belief system, you know, for, for women where it's appropriate and possible and all that kind of thing. Um, Deciding to have an epidural for me felt like I was freeing myself from expectation mm-hmm. uh, and freeing myself from other people's ideas about how I should birth and, and what the the best approach was and kind of, yeah, just making a decision for me alone with no one else's thoughts or feelings in mind. Um. And so I really, I actually kind of loved that moment. Uh, I didn't end up actually getting the epidural, but regardless, it was, I think, an important step in my labor. And, and when I reflect back, it, I am actually quite proud of myself for making that decision quietly in the backseat as we drove there. 
Yeah, and I think that relates very nicely to parenting in, in general. Like, everybody has an opinion around you, but being able to create that space, like, awesome for you that you did have that moment and and gathered what 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 was happening at that the specific moment and and how, you know what was needed and required for you then regardless of previous thoughts or expectations or other people's like no shoulds yeah exactly and just being able to say you know oh forget how I thought this was gonna go for you know all my expectations be gone kind of thing I'm doing what I feel like I need to do in this moment for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah that is powerful very powerful yeah 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 um so we got to the hospital, probably it was like 1030 in the evening. At that point in time, my husband couldn't find the entrance to the hospital that we were supposed to use. And, um, you know, it was, it was a little bit stressful, but we got there and he parked and then my mom and I went inside. Uh, and then, you know, ironically enough, my contractions got really fast. So I had one contraction in the lobby of the hospital leaning against the public payphones. Uh, then I had a contraction in the intake room. I had one in the elevator going up to the room and then I had two in the hallway walking towards the room. So that was like what, every two to three minutes, four to five, yeah. any idea? Yeah. Two to three. Yeah. Every two to three. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they were, you know, they were quite intense. So, uh, we got into the room and it, you know, it was a beautiful room. It's all, it's private and, and large and, and the staff there was so nice. Um, I was greeted by, you know, my midwife, plus there was a, a nurse. Um, and then actually one of the other midwives that I had done prenatal visits with, she greeted me and she gave me a big hug and I cried and, you know, she said, Oh, I know this wasn't what you were planning, but you know, it's going to be beautiful. And so it was, that was kind of a lovely moment too. Uh, and then, you know, we kind of waited for the doctor to arrive, which felt like it took forever. And, uh, you know, I was, while we were waiting for the doctor, I think looking back, I was starting to transition and my contractions were getting really, really strong. Um, I started yelling and like felt that panic of like, you know, maybe make it stop someone, please make it stop. And uh, I had some really powerful contractions. I sat on the toilet and my mom stood in front of me and um, I hugged her waist and kind of bared down and had those contractions there. And I was yelling at her and begging for her to make it stop. And she kept saying, hold on, just hold on. And I was like, hold on to what? Like, <laughs> no. no one's helping me. <laughs> and, you know, later my husband was like, oh, I was so glad that your mom was there to take your wrath because I did all my yelling at her and he just got to kind of wait in the, in the background and try to stay calm for everybody. So, um, and then after those contractions, uh, we continued waiting for the doctor and that's when I got the, uh, the, uh, sorry, the nitrous oxide. So they had it at the hospital there and, um, we asked for that and, as soon as I got on the bed and took the nitrous oxide, I just felt this tremendous feeling of relief. Um, it was just my first moment of relaxation and my sense of humor came back and, you know, I was making jokes about how my husband would love the feeling of this nitrous oxide <laughs> and, you know, making jokes about like, oh, is this really worth it? Like, is this baby going to be better than the pain is terrible because I'm not sure 
and everyone was saying, you know, you're going to be great. You're doing great. And I said, well, I, I mean, I know you're patronizing me, but like, look, keep going, keep you know, <laughs> keep it on, like just cracking jokes. And I felt so much more relaxed, mm. um, which Julia, I was really, really grateful for. Were you still feeling it all in your back or has it had it changed a little bit? No, still totally in my back. Ugh. Still completely in my back. And I mean, the nitrous oxide didn't have the pain go away, of course, but it was just like it just took a little bit of the edge off. The pain felt a little bit more dull, um, which like at that moment was just like, you know, the gift from the gods. Because right. I would have I felt like if someone could have knocked me unconscious with a baseball bat, I would have taken it. <laughs> oh. Was it that? Just... Uh, did it do enough to get you like sort of feel back centered like, and less out of control? Because it seems like when you were yelling and screaming like that was you were very far removed from your calm breathing that you mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I was out of control before. And then I felt more like, okay, I'm in my body. And, you know, I my body has limits. I am a human being. I'm going to make it through this <laughs> kind of thing. So, uh, it yeah, I mean, it was really helpful for sure. Okay. Let's, and uh, I'm going to interrupt you again really quickly. We're going to take another break. Be right back. Hey, Mighty Ones, it is not uncommon for stress levels to go up while you're pregnant. You may be worried about the health of your baby, or maybe you're anxious about the birth, or maybe you're wondering how you're going to afford all the extra cost. Or maybe you're just guilt-ridden because you're not eating well and exercising and doing all those little things that everyone is telling you to do for the sake of your little peanut. Fortunately, there is one little simple thing you can do that won't take up more than 10 minutes per day and will improve not only how you feel about all these things I mentioned, but also your birth, the health of your baby, and your own immunity. That little thing is meditation, and yup, it can do all this and even help reduce your pain during labor. Don't know where to start? Easy peasy. Check out Expectful, an evidence-based guide meditation app created specifically for new, soon-to-be, or expectant moms. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. And don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who sent you. And we're back talking with Julia about her birth story. And it's like at the most intense, but now a little bit calming moment. Thanks to yeah. some laughing gas. <laughs> yeah. And laughing I was at this point. Um, so, yeah, so that was happening. I felt a little bit more relaxed. The contractions were still all in my back. Um, and at some point along the way here, I closed my eyes and I did not open them again until the baby was born, which was about an hour and a half. So uh, people came and went, nurses came and went. I could hear their voices, but and the doctor came, um, the resident came to kind of talk about the epidural option, and I never saw any of these people. So I was just really kind of at this point in that, like that dark, deep, quiet place that, you know, feels full of electricity and, and power and, and energy. And I just kind of stayed in that, in that dark, quiet place for the remainder of the birth. Um, but at some point, uh, I adjusted my positioning on the bed a little bit while I was um, taking the nitrous oxide, and I felt my very first abdominal contraction. Mm. And I then I was like, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> that was the first time it felt like pressure coming from the top and around, uh, that kind of guttural feeling, and it felt like an involuntary push. 
And my mom actually noticed, she, you know, heard the change in the sounds that I was making and noticed the contraction. And she kind of told everyone, okay, stop what you're doing. She's pushing. And I remember being like, no, I'm not. I want the epidural. <laughs> I was like knowing that I was, but still just kind of wanting the pain to go away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was my very first one. And so everyone kind of got in position. I was laying on my back with my knees up, which again, I never thought would have been the position that I was going to deliver in. Um, and so, and with my first actual push, once everyone was there, the, they could see the head. So then, it, you know, my mom kept saying, reach down and feel her head. Her head is there. And I would reach down and it would feel like, you know, the head of a dime or something. It was such a small area. And so that was really bothering me. I thought I was going to feel the whole head. Um, so I kept my hand away for the remainder of the time and kept my eyes closed. And uh, I pushed for about 30 minutes. And she just all came out at once in the end there. Mm. So, um, she came out, uh, I felt again, that like tremendous sense of relief, which lots of women talk about. And, uh, she was covered in vernix. My mom put her on my chest and she was born and all the pain kind of dissipated, which was so wonderful. Uh, you know, and everybody was happy and we did the, um, we did delayed cord clamping and, she wasn't, she didn't get washed or anything like that. We kept her covered in the vernix and, uh, yeah. And then I, I started nursing her right away. Mm. So it was really beautiful. And then I had been really nervous about the, um, the placenta Why? and about, I, I think I had heard some stories about it not coming out with the contraction and someone having to manually remove it. Um, and I had heard women talk about how intense that pain is and I just didn't want anything to do with that so I was just I had been concerned about the placenta coming out and in fact I didn't even notice when it came out I you know I was holding the baby and and looking at her and trying to nurse her and I asked okay so how long till the placenta comes out and the midwife said oh it's already out which Yay. was an awesome <laughs> felt like a real win <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was that. And then, you know, everybody kind of took a rest and I nursed her and the midwife got me toast and juice, which I just thought was the sweetest thing. I was so grateful. Um, and I stayed in the hospital for about two hours, uh, long enough to just get tidied up and to go to the bathroom once they wanted to make sure that was working. Um, Oh, because I had been stitched up a bit as well. I tore. And, uh, how, do so you know how went... bad the, to the tear was? It was a second degree tear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So we just wanted to make sure that everything was okay and that I could go to the bathroom fine. So I did that. And we left about two hours later. Awesome. So, yeah. So she was born at 1258. And I think I was at the hospital for four hours. Okay, so all in all, I'm like trying to do a little bit of math. So all in all, it was like a full day of early labor. Yes. And then... And then like an eve... Yeah. Yeah. Like an evening of active labor and baby born. You got it. Very cool. With about, yeah, what about was 30 her weight? minutes of pushing. So we had 6'12". Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So a little bit smaller than I had anticipated. Um, but, uh, and her, her head was very elongated. Which explains all the, all the you were feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but I was so grateful for her, to her, for flipping at the end. And that's it, right? Like, sometimes babies come out posterior, but most often they have to, they they turn, they flip before coming out. And it's that what makes it tough and long because it's that rotating of like, I just need to get into this really good space and I'm not yeah. there yet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, and then we, we went home. We, you know, spent the next couple of days resting. She slept great right away. Uh, and, you know, we brought the placenta home and we, you know, the next full moon, we like buried it under a fruit tree and did a little ceremony, which was really beautiful. And mm. yeah. What, the, with the back pain, were you feeling the intensity throughout or like nonstop or was it only with contractions? It was only with the contractions, I would say, that I was feeling the back pain. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, yeah. it's so long. Obviously, you were exhausted, but at least there was that little bit of break every in between. Yeah. Yeah, there was. And I could stretch or, or you know, lay down or, but, you know, the truth of it, my, my memory, every time there was a break between contractions, somebody was checking me. So, oh. <laughs> didn't feel there weren't that many breaks but yeah it's true it, it could have been it could have been more intense and the back pain could have lasted the entirety of the time which which ho thankfully it didn't yeah 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 so and I mean go ahead yeah. oh I was gonna say you know just like I never used the bathtub I never the uh the birth tub I never ended up really looking at this birth affirmation mm -hmm. banner that I had made or anything like that which, you know, I've, I've learned a lot from looking back and kind of reflecting on. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that, of what what you learned or what you would do differently or what was helpful mm. and what wasn't, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think looking back, um, the biggest kind of lesson I think that I learned was that the strength I think in labor for me came from, and not the strength that I felt during labor, but I think the strength that I have gained from having gone through labor for me came not from being able to kind of mentally manage through the pain or, you know, kind of win. Like I, I had thought about earlier when my mom was saying, Oh, you're breathing so well. And, like that, at that point in my labor, I was really thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm winning at this. Like I'm, I'm staying calm. You know, I'm not feeling the intensity. I'm not out of control. These kinds of things that I thought were, were the way that I was supposed to labor. The strength for me hasn't come from the fact that I was able to do that because I actually wasn't like that birth banner that I had that I thought I would be able to read and, and kind of internalize and be able to mentally manage the pain with these mantras. I couldn't do that. I didn't have that. And in the end, I did feel very much uh, out of control and, and overtaken by the pain. So the power from labor didn't come from being able to kind of master it in that way that I thought I should. It has just come from doing it at all. Um, and having experienced it in, in all the kinds of stages and all the kinds of ways that I, that I did. 
and that it the power of birth is is not something to master it's just something to kind of be in awe of and and go through Mm. so yeah I mean right after my labor and delivery I really did feel almost kind of disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to have this you know, very calm water birth that I had watched people on YouTube have and things like that. And I felt, yeah, I, I, I didn't feel empowered by it. But as I've spent more time reflecting on it and, and talking through it and that kind of thing, I've, I've begun adjusting and, and learning from it in a different way. Mm. And it's all those shoulds, right, that we have and expectations in our mind. And it, it, unless you do it, it's so hard to understand what it's going to be. We have no idea. But actually internalizing that is so difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think you make a great point of, which is something that I appreciate people who say this, that birth is wild. It can be wild. like you, And that yelling or screaming or however you're coping with the experience or however you get through it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. Yeah, for sure. And that there's not really a way to do it wrong. And um, I think you set yourself up in a, in a way that's not beneficial when you create these expectations of doing it a particular way or, uh, you know, doing it the way that you expect you should or doing it the way other people expect you should or how society tells you you should. You know, if you set up all these expectations, I think you have a, a stronger chance of struggling to feel good about the process later on. And I think it's a lot more about um, humility and doing the best you can and just, you know, staying true to yourself through the process. And, and I think that's easier said than done for a lot of different reasons. But I think that's where kind of the the strength comes from at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I think I know your answers, but what what would you say was the most rewarding part of your birth? Hmm. The most rewarding part of the birth, I think, I mean, I don't know. I think that's a really hard thing to answer, but I mean, truthfully, probably just it maybe not going the way that I thought it was going to. Mm. In the end, I think I learned more from that than I would have had I just kind of had this blissed out, really subdued natural water birth yeah yeah I think that's what it was and I I mean I think too I I I feel there's a sense of of reward in realizing that I had never done anything hard before (laughs) and that this was the first hard thing that I had done and just knowing now I think that there's this whole other dimension of of challenge in the world that we don't have on the day-to-day or that I don't have on the day-to-day and that I think next time if I have something that's similarly you know difficult or similarly different than than as birth has been that even when I'm in it and I think there's no way I'm gonna come out of this you know okay this is never gonna end even when I feel like that is what's happening I'll maybe have an easier time knowing like, oh, no, I'm going to come through on the other side of this. And, you know, the sun will shine and I will be okay. Mm, We can do hard things. Yeah, exactly. We can do hard things. Yeah. 
it way more way harder than we think like we can imagine yeah yeah like birth takes you to the edge it does it does and I didn't know what that meant and I don't think it's I don't know if you can know what that means and I mean I've lived I lived sorry I think quite a privileged life I think there's all kinds of people walking around you know in the grocery store with you who do hard things and I think too it's given me an appreciation for all kinds of people who have experiences that are so deeply challenging. Um, and, you know, they're just walking around like regular folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and the, the strength of that, I think, is such a beautiful thing that we don't really, you know, you don't get to see on people's faces. So I think that's been a really nice lesson that I've learned from this process as well. Mm. How has going gone through this process helped or transformed or informed or changed your your parenting how you how you became a mom hmm well I think I think uh I don't know if it has necessarily except for the fact that I really am just trying to parent in a way that feels right to me despite what anybody says you know um about sleep training or nursing or you know whatever the issue might be um, I think the only way to feel good is to follow your own intuition. And I think that's kind of the way that uh, I've been trying to parent and that my partner is trying to parent. Mm. So yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all this. Is there something that I know you had some notes and wanted to make sure we got through everything. So I do want to honor that. Was there anything else you had for the listeners that we didn't get to? Um, I mean, no, I don't think so. I did. I, I think I sent you the, um, the resources and, uh, there was a the few things that I think that I used that the one book that I read called spiritual pregnancy, it's written by, um, two health practitioners. I think there are a couple, in fact, um, that talks about birth, like it's, uh, the hero's journey that I thought was really beautiful and a different perspective. Um, I also watched, I wasn't able to go to prenatal classes here again because of the lack of um, kind of funding and available resources for midwifery here. So I actually went and visited these prenatal classes on YouTube by a woman named Holiday Tyson. Um, and there's three parts and I really liked those. And actually my partner really liked those as well. It, it, it did focus a lot on the birthing partner. Um, so I would, I would suggest those to anybody. Uh, and, um, you know, I read Ina May and I'm sure you have that resource all over town. Um, I think it is a great resource to be able to go and see, watch those YouTube videos of births. And I mean, I think you pick your, pick your poison. Like I only watched ones of a very specific kind of birth. And I think I probably could have watched a few other different ones or listened to other birth stories. Um, but you know, you have to manage that for yourself and, and really think about your own headspace and what'll make you feel good. But I do think it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to watch and to listen to other people's stories. Um, and then, I mean, I also sent you the contact information of the Minister of Health and Wellness here in Nova Scotia in case anybody, you know, feels the urge to contact uh, Randy DeLore and, and let him know that, you know, midwifery is important and um, midwifery is an uh, important issue for, for women and women's health and women's empowerment and that we should have funding for many, many more midwives here. 
Mm, absolutely. Some advocacy. Yes. Yeah. I will. And I, I will share all of these things on the show notes um, right. so that people can can reach out and do that. And if you're not in Nova Scotia, figure out who the, you know, the governing bodies for midwifery are in your neck of the woods. Absolutely. And, and do that. There was a great study that recently came out about the benefits of of midwifery care in terms of outcomes i'll link to that as well in the and this is a, a research from the u.s um that has maps and and you can intersect uh like midwives with numbers of v-backs and numbers of cesareans and not non-midwife care and how much so you can in, in each state so you can really drill down into the effectiveness of yeah. midwifery care versus non-midwifery care and outcomes. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a bounty of information that shows that, you know, midwifery for, you know, the healthy low-risk pregnancies produce very positive outcomes, fewer interventions, higher levels of satisfaction from women, all kinds of things. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's no uh, jurisdiction or environment where there is sufficient midwifery. I'm sure women are being turned away for midwifery care, which is so sad, you know, in every every place that people live. So absolutely contact your your representatives and advocate for, for women's rights and women's health and, and midwifery care. Absolutely. 100%. I'm with you there. Yeah. We need more midwives. It does. I mean, there's pl- yeah, there's plenty of research that shows that that is a, a better for everybody, including Absolutely. including the obese, because yeah. then they can specialize on what they specialize in, which is complications. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Julia, thank you so, so much for sharing your story and being on the show today. It's been oh, lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time. Thank you for everything that you do. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so do come say hi. And if you are pregnant, then don't forget to check out my Thrive With Your Newborn postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Simply Breastfeeding and Expectful. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network. Find out more at parentsondemand.com. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Wednesday when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening.